Appreciate y'all. Well done. One of, my, uh, one of my favorite books of all times is The Lord of the Rings, written, of course, by J.R.R. Tolkien. There's a great quote that's caught in that book that really speaks to a lot of what we're talking about this morning. And that book that he wrote that's been so influential in so many ways, it was influenced by his experiences as a World War I officer uh, in, the British, uh, in, the, in the British Army. And so he could not help but have that experience have influence over this book that he wrote. And about those that had been called into war, many of them to give their lives, to sacrifice their lives in order to accomplish a great cause. So there's this, this quote that's caught there between Frodo, who is carrying the one ring. Most of you know the story this ring of power, and he has to destroy the ring, and basically that's the only way to save everyone, to save the world. So he finds himself caught in this impossible situation of being asked to do something that he by himself cannot imagine how he's going to be able to do it, and he's interacting with the wizard uh, Gandalf. And so this is the quote. It says, uh, he says, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. Friends, that's so much of what we're digging into today. The responsibilities, the, the, the life that we've been given, the breath in our lungs that has been given to us like a gift. How will we use it? to accomplish the great things that God wants us to accomplish. Yes, even those very difficult things. A military friend of mine shared a quote with me. It's not original to him, but he said that this is a pretty common thing in his line of work that he's heard talked about. He says that all battles are fought by those who'd rather be somewhere else. And it's true. So these battles that you and I face on a day-in and day-out basis that we're fighting that we'd rather not be fighting, <laughs> we wish we'd you know, have them being fought by somebody else, but that's not God's plan. If God's got you in the midst of a battle, if God's got you in the midst of something, he's got a plan for how he's going to use that to his ultimate good. So the question for you and me this morning is, at this very point in history, where you have been gifted with the breath in your lungs, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to put it to work? Because yes, you have been called, think about this, from the beginning of time, you have been called to this point in history to accomplish God's purposes in this world. Acts chapter 17, verse 26, speaks to this idea. It says, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Y'all, that's, that's written right to you. He has marked out the boundary of your life. And this appointed time in history, he's decided that you need life that you need breath, that he has a purpose for your life and for your breath, and ultimately it is to his good and his purposes. And we ought to be living like we believe that every day. But are we? As we've been walking through this series in Esther, we come to 
One of the most powerful verses in the Bible that most folks know well and have heard it, maybe seen it on a t-shirt or seen it and, you know, kind of separated outside of the text. But it is this idea that Esther was called for such a time as this. She's been put to a purpose in a place where God is using her, even in a book where we don't see God himself mentioned, but we see God's purposes all over it. So in the midst of this, i got to set the scene for those that are maybe catching up with us here in person or online. You remember, most of you know the key players, King Xerxes, king over Persia, most powerful world power at the time. Haman, the dastardly Haman, who's the right-hand man to King Xerxes. He's issued this edict to kill all the Jews in, in all the known world, and they have the power to do exactly that. Mordecai, who is basically Esther's adoptive dad, but is a cousin of her as well, is reaching out to Esther, who has now become queen, which is quite a crazy thought that this Jewish woman has been raised up in this setting to be queen, to have a great position of power. And so this edict has gone out that's going to have all the Jews be massacred. And now Mordecai reaches out to her and says, do you know what's happening? This is the edict edict that's been put out. They're going to kill all our people. What are you going to do about it? And she, just like all the rest of us, when we're faced with something that's difficult, that we don't want to do, that we don't know how we're even capable or how we could be capable of doing it, She wants to say no. She wants to look at the circumstance and say, there's just no way. Because her initial thought is, nobody's allowed to go before the king without permission. Anybody that goes before the king without permission, that's an automatic death sentence. Unless. Unless the king extends his golden scepter to them and basically pardons them for this great offense. So that's where we find ourselves today. Esther chapter 4, 14 through 17. Did a little work there to get you caught up. So jump in here in the key text with me today. Esther 4, 14 through 17. Mordecai is saying, For if you remain silent at this time, he's speaking to Esther. They're, they're delivering correspondence back and forth. They're not in the same place when this conversation is happening. Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Have you ever considered that the position where God has you is a royal position? It is a position of great responsibility. Again, From the beginnings of time, God knew about you, and God knew how he was going to use you. Does that not seem like a pretty royal position to you? That he's known you since the beginning of time? And he's had a purpose for your life and for the breath in your lungs? That seems a a pretty special position to me. So he's giving you opportunity. He's giving you breath. But that opportunity and that breath comes with expectation. What are you going to do with it? 
How are you going to use it ultimately to his glory and for his purposes? Look at verse 15. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather all the Jews who are in Susa. Remember, Susa is modern-day Iran. It is the capital city, and the city has been set off with this announcement of the Jews' coming massacre. She says, gather together all the Jews, all the, the people who believe in the one true God. Gather them together, pray and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Look, Esther here is called upon to risk her life. That's what God is calling from her responsibility with the breath in her lungs. That's what she's being asked to do. He'll likely not ask you to do that. He might just ask you to go across the street. He might just ask you to talk to the neighbor, to the friend, to the parent, to the brother, the sister, the acquaintance. But he's got a purpose for you. God, here's at the critical piece of all of this, friends. God is with Esther. God is with you. He is with us whenever we take our own risks, just like she's about to. When we take risks and we live in faithfulness to Christ and his commands, I want you to remember this key idea today. We should be reminded that Christ is with us. That he's going to be there for us in the midst of that. And so now hope is coming. Hope is coming in the form of Esther and it's beautiful. This is one of those peripheries that I told you about in the first week. This kind of change. It's a sudden change, a turn in events in the narrative of the story. And here, one who was once in this great position of weakness now finds herself in a position of strength. And God is going to use the weak to shame the strong. It's just what he does. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. He's God. He's good at it. Taking our little and making it much. From the weakest place, he will bring about victory. Mordecai is letting her know what's going on, and, and, and she steps into it. I mean, he's saying, look, don't you know, don't you even know, aren't you even thinking about that you've been called into your position in this kingdom for such a time as this? Friends, you and I have been given a position in the kingdom of God. We're supposed to be doing the work on earth to see his kingdom come as it is in heaven. That's the responsibility we've been given. So what are we doing with that? Such a time as this is so critically at the heart of this series. God has you, he has me, right where he wants us right now. Just such a time, just such a place, for just such a need that he wants to see accomplished. So we must not divorce this text from its context. You all have been a part of walking through this series, most all of you, and you've gotten to hear why this is said about Esther. You've gotten to hear her story. 
why she was in a position of weakness, but how God is going to take that and make it a strength. He's going to use it in ways that you would never expect in the beginning of the story and that no one in the secular world would ever expect. This King Xerxes could and would order the execution of all of the Jews and he could do the same to Esther. But what Esther does in the face of the great trial, and friends, this is a great reminder for all of us, what Esther does in the face of her great trial, the things she doesn't know how she can do, the things she's saying, I don't even know how this is possible. I know what happens if people go before the king uninvited. Man, they get struck down. She'd probably seen it happen. Matter of fact, I'd say it's highly likely that she had over the several years she'd already been queen. But what does she do? She calls on her friends, the people of God, fast, pray, go there with me. She increases her faith in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the difficulty. This is powerful stuff. And God is going to bless that. He's going to bless this show of her faith. And he's going to use her and, and, and make her in many ways a redeemer of her people. Now, she is in that way, like so many of the Old Testament characters. And, and again, this is a, she is a, a pale facsimile to Christ. But she is a type of Christ. She is a type of Messiah, a deliverer in this story. And so many of these Old Testament stories and the Old Testament heroes that we look to, in spite of you know, their many failings, they all have failings. But the heroic efforts they make that are Christ-like are all pointing to the ultimate deliverer. And so Jesus, the Christ, will come and do exactly what she does, but on a grand scale for all the world. Christopher Ashe points this out in his commentary. He says of Esther, she faced bravely the possibility of death. This greater mediator, because that's a lot of what she's doing, is going mediating before the king. This greater mediator, Christ, faced its certainty. Did you hear that? She faced death's possibility to save the people. Christ Jesus, our Lord, faced its certainty as he perished for the life of his people. It's so critical that we hear that. Because in those times of our greatest weakness, in those times of our greatest questioning and wondering, where is God? Why am I going through this? Why am I experiencing this? Lord, why me? Why now? Why us? A lot of us have asked ourselves that question a lot over the last year or so. Maybe more than we ever have in any other time in our lives. It's been a time of asking a lot of those big questions. And friends, many of you in this room are believers. Most of you are, as a matter of fact. Many of you joining us online are. But if you're asking those questions, how much more do you think those 
people that you know that are outside of Christ are asking the same questions? And how much more then will we be using the breath in our lungs, using the energy in our body, the life that's been given to us, to take this truth to a world that desperately needs to hear it? And how much more so should we remind ourselves and be reminded that Christ is with us? He's not lost us. He's not forsaken us. At the heart of this book is that though God is not mentioned by name, He's everywhere. He's in all of it. So much of the critical parts of this story of Esther is that you don't even have to mention God by name to know he's there, to see him working. Friends, we just sang the song. Yeah, he did this on purpose, didn't you, Ray? He did this on purpose. We sang this song about even when we don't see it, he's working. He never stops working. Some of us need to remind ourselves of that, especially when we face the trials. Understand, God is everywhere, even in the most pagan of societies. We might think we have it tough today, friends, but we, didn't have, we don't have it anything like Esther had it. Not even close. I mean, we're, we're swimming in the shallow end relative to what she was going through. But she stood. She used the time and the energy and the place where she had been planted by God at that point in history to accomplish his means, his ends, for his glory. And that's a reminder to us here in our story, in the Esther story, two people stand, Mordecai and Esther. Such a time as this. And divine providence is is at work, and God's sovereign hand is at work, and we get to see it all over the book. God is moving, he's working, he's working out his ends. Through this trial, he's bringing about his purposes. And we have to increase our faith where we can get to the place to say, God, I believe that you're working this out to your good for your purposes purposes for your good even if it is not to my immediate good did you hear that i believe that god you're working this out to your good your ultimate good even if it isn't for my immediate good it takes great faith it takes great maturity to get yourself to a headspace like that. But you have to lean into that. You have to ask God to increase your faith. You better believe that one of my prayers through preparation this week for this message is that the Lord would increase our faith from the preaching of this word that he's given us. Increase my faith. Help me trust you more, God, to know that you are working, you are moving in ways that I can't always see. I believe that you are sovereign. I know that you know all. Even when it seems like you're silent, Lord, I know you aren't. 
Even when it feels like you're blind to the things that are going on in the world, Lord, I know you see everything. Can we believe and trust that he is very much aware of everything? So here's what I'll do if I really believe that. I will just choose to be faithful. Whatever it is you ask of me, Lord, I'm just going to be faithful to it. Whatever it is you want me to do, wherever it is you want me to step into in ministry, in service, I'm just going to do whatever it is you want. I won't do it perfectly, Lord, but I'm just going to do what you want. That's the place where we need to get to individually and collectively as a church. I, I am so thankful for this church. I am very thankful for Galilee Christian Church. I am thankful for my opportunity to serve here. A wonderful place. I, I haven't been a perfect leader, and this hasn't been a perfect church. That's life. We have no perfect circumstances, no matter where we are. But God has used us collectively to accomplish much for his good and for his kingdom. And he will continue to do that if we will be found faithful. We don't have to worry about anything else. We don't have to worry about what anybody else is doing. We just got to worry about what God is calling us to do and do it. It's simple stuff. Sometimes we make it more complicated than it has to be. I believe he has us. I believe he has me. I believe he has you right where he wants us to accomplish what he wants. Everyone. I believe everyone in this room. I believe everyone that calls Galilee home. I believe that he's marked out the boundary of this place for you. Because he wants to use you. He wants to bless you. He wants to grow you. And he wants to use you to help do that in the lives of others and in this community. I believe that deep down in my soul. Just, just like with Esther. This, this great biblical character and hero. You've been given a royal position to be used by God. And let's be people that don't fear earthly power, but we stand in awe of God's power and believe, God, you've got this. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm experiencing, God, you've got this. So when you stand up in the difficult situation, at work, at home, your neighbors, whatever it is, when you stand up and you do the right thing, even when it's uncomfortable, believe God's got this. When you stand up, young people, when you stand up for somebody at school, because you believe the Lord is calling you to do that in that moment, he's going to use you and he's going to bless that, believe. Step into it. Have faith. When you talk to your neighbor, finally, about, about your faith, when you talk to your dad, your mom, your brother, your sister, your friend, your cousin, and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and you just haven't found the right time, or you've been too scared, when you step into that in faith, believe that God is with you. He will give you what you need when you need it. When we look around this world and wonder, and where's God? Let's look around instead and be reminded, I believe he's got this. Let me give you these three pieces of application, and then we'll wrap it up. This is very quick. This is just in your sermon notes if you want to look at these. These are just from the text that we read and that we've studied. I wanted to kind of sum this up with these quick, three quick things. Things I want you, I believe you need to take away from this message. First thing is this. When times are hardest, when times are hardest, turn first to God. That's what Esther does. That's what she teaches us. Her most difficult moment, 
possibly in her entire life. And she asks people to pray for her, fast for her. When your times are toughest, don't go it alone. You know how foolish that is, brothers and sisters? You know how foolish that is when you have a church, when you are a part of the church, to not engage the church in your battles? That's crazy town, y'all. Don't do it. Lean into those relationships that God has given you. Call on them. Ask people to pray for you. And believe. Believe that God will show up, because He will. Secondly, make a plan with the information that you have and the guidance of God. Again, I told you we got it so much better than Esther. We got the Bible right here in our hands. We got it all. The whole story's right here. We can read about it. We can grow from it. We can know what we're supposed to do. We have the Holy Spirit alive and well inside of us if we are a Christian guiding us and influencing us, helping us make the right decisions and go down the right path. Look, God's going to work it out to his ends with or without me, with or without you. It's just like Mordecai said, basically to Esther, even if you don't do this thing, God can bring deliverance from somewhere else. But he wants to use you. I I believe he wants to use you. You're not going to thwart the plans of God. It's not going to happen. But you can be a part of them. Does that sound like a pretty good alternative? No, I can't thwart them. Don't want to. Don't want to mess this up. No, no, come on. You're not going to mess up God's plans. You go do what he's called you to do. And he will accomplish his ends. You just decide to be a part of it. Third thing is this. Believe that God has you right where he wants you to do what it is he is calling you to do. We've talked about this several times. This is the key point of this whole message. Don't be afraid to take the necessary risks to step into the role that he has marked out for you. Go take the ground. Go take the hill that he has marked out for you. Think about it, friends. Why are you positioned where you are? Why do you live where you live? Why are you in the family that you're in? Why are you in the job that you're in? Why do you go to school where you go to school? Why do you go to church where you go to church? You do what you do. You are where you are. And I believe this deeply. Because God has assigned you to it. That's your assignment. That's your work. That's what he wants from you for such a time as this. That's where you find yourselves. Remember that that text in Acts chapter 17, verse 26? From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history. This is so rich, y'all. Marked out your appointed time in history. Mm. And the boundaries of their lands. Within the boundaries of what he's called you to do in the place where he's called you to do it, that's your spot. So how could we ever be comfortable with saying, I'm just going to stay on the sideline and watch I'm just going to hang out while the battle's being fought. 
That'd be pretty cowardly, wouldn't it? Nobody wants to be a coward. But the only way we're going to really step into what God wants us to do when we're facing unbelievably challenging situations or things that are just tough for us, we're going to have to increase our faith. That's it, y'all. Faith is going to have to increase and our willingness to just say yes to God and our willingness, and sometimes, sometimes, it's as simple as this. Be observant. Be observant and be ready. Be observant and be ready and step into whatever it is God wants you to do. It takes takes no great talent to do that. I I was sitting by the pool watching my kids play when they were very, very little. We were at our community pool. It was many years ago. And Abby was actually off at school. She was, she was finishing up some classes. So I had the kids, and we actually had some family friends. It was actually just the moms and their kids, and so all of our kids were playing together in the pool. But the two moms, there were two other moms and me, and I'm kind of sitting a little bit over here, but we're kind of chit-chatting there and watching the kids play. And the moms were talking to each other, and all the kids were playing. And it's one of these pools, you know, with the slope, and the slope's down into the pool. So the kids are playing there, and they're really little at that point. And the woman, to the mom to my left, her child was about a year or so old, just kind of starting to walk, maybe a year, year and a half. And the little boy was walking there by the edge, and he was walking down in the water, and he was fine. He was allowed to do that. I mean, we're at shallow right there, no big deal. But I, I kind of kept looking over, and I could see that the moms were really talking. And You know, like if dudes are talking, we're just kind of like sitting there talking. When moms are talking, sometimes they're talking like this. They're like, they're in it. They're like, right, like right. they were in it, y'all. And so I'm watching the kids. And this little boy, he's getting just a little bit closer to the deeper water, a little bit closer. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, Mom, are you watching that kid? You know, I didn't want to say, you don't want to tell anybody about their kids, right? I'm just, just kind of hanging back and watching. But she's there in the conversation. I'm just kind of keeping an eye on things. Watching my kids, kept peeking over at the little boy there. He's getting a little bit further, a little bit further. But then I kind of looked away for a minute. It had been some time had passed. And when I looked back over, there he was down under the water. And there were no other kids around. Moms are still talking. <laughs> And so, of course, I pop up, and I go grab the boy and pick him up out of the water, and he's spitting out water. And, you know, the mom then turns, and she's, you know, freaking out. And I'm like, it's okay, he's all right. And she's thanking me profusely and all this stuff. It's like, no, no problem, no big deal. And I kind of hand him off, and he was fine. Now, I did exactly what every single person in this room would do. I had no great talent. I didn't do a single thing in that that every single person in this room could do. But I was available, and I was observant. Again, every single person in this room could do it. Not one thing special about me in that. But when we will step into what God is calling us to do, it's not about us being special. It's that we serve a special God. Amen? We serve a special God that does special things every day. 
And we've been given a royal position. We've been given an opportunity. But we have to decide, will we be observant? Will we be ready? Will we do what God is calling us to do? Will we increase our faith and trust him that no matter what it is he's calling us to do, we will step into it? Because here's the deal. Everybody, please listen to this, and I'm going to finish with this. There is something that God is calling you to. I can promise you, he is not calling you to nothing. So this applies to every person in the room and online. Everyone that can hear this. God is not calling you to nothing. So here's what I'm asking you to do today. We're going to join together in a time of communion in just a moment. But I want to do something first with just some silence. I want us to just take a moment to be silent, to be still before the Lord. And rather than doing a normal kind of an invitation thing today, I'm actually inviting you in in a different way. I'm inviting you into a little uncomfortable silence that you might consider, Lord, what are you calling me to? Where do I need to step up? Where might I need to be more observant? more willing, more available. Let's take one minute, one minute of awkward silence to be still before the Lord. We're so bad at silence, aren't we? We get so little silence in our lives. But let's try it together. One minute, and let's take that thought to the Lord. Where, where do you need me, Lord? What are you calling me to?